0: A Saturday night get-together here on CBS Sports Radio. Your buddy Jody Mack in the Rocket Mortgage Studios, whether you want to buy a home or refinance your current home, Rocket can. All right, uh, we bring in one of our faves whenever we want to talk. NBA does a phenomenal job co- uh, covering it for his website, NBCSports.com. The editor and lead writer, our buddy Kurt Owen, joins us here on CBS Sports Radio. Kurt, how are you, bud? I'm
1: doing well. I'm doing well. It's been kind of a... I would say a crazy week cuz it was still busy for me but it wasn't uh I don't think it was as crazy as everybody expected.
0: No. Uh that was one of thing I mentioned to you before we came on the air here was it, on the excitometer it hit about a 4 for me. Maybe I set my uh, sights too high and I had the uh, luck enough to talk to you prior to the draft and both you and I thought it could be exciting. It wasn't. There was one major trade, and I'm going to get your take on that, Westbrook to the Lakers. uh, But then the first four picks went just as everybody expected. A little surprise at five, but then it went to rote thereafter. And there wasn't the major moves that went uh, on during the draft. So just from an excitement level, I was underwhelmed, to say the least. Is that fair?
1: Uh, It's completely fair. I I think we all expected um, a little more movement. There were a lot of teams shopping their picks. I mean... The Warriors with 7 and 14 were shopping it pretty hard, trying to get veteran help. But the problem was there were a lot of teams looking for veteran help. Uh, the Raptors were kind of deciding what to do. A lot of teams were. And it just wasn't there. There just aren't. There's a lot of teams that are looking at the lay of the land right now, saw what the Suns did this year with the kind of leap they made. And teams are just not giving up. the – but a lot of teams were looking for their kind of Jay Crowder, not necessarily their Chris Paul, but their Jay Crowder, you know, veteran. hey, who can we bring in that really helps us? And those deals just weren't there. And with that, the thing kind of fell to chalk, like you said. I mean, there, that was higher than I think a lot of people expected Scotty Barnes to go, and, and we'll see if that pans out for Toronto at four. But it wasn't – this didn't feel like, you know, the NBA has been known for some fireworks lately in the offseason. And outside of – the like you said, outside the Westbrook trade – this, it, there really wasn't that much this uh, on, on draft day.
0: How good were the top four? Everyone had the top four, some in different orders. Some had Evan Mobley two and Jalen Green three, um, but Cade Cunningham was almost everyone's expected yeah. number one. Top three guys were easily the top three. How NBA-ready are they?
1: I don't know how NBA-ready they are. Look, Jalen Green can go get you buckets starting tomorrow. I mean, he he's averaged 17 a game in the G League bubble at age you know, at age eighteen. But and by the way, I think we talked about this. Going against guys aiming for him, right? Like every G League guy trying to make his name and, and trying to catch a scout's eye. Went into games against the Ignite, going, Hey, the house is full of GMs. Here's my chance, right? And They were geared up for him, and he got buckets. Now, how? I think it's going to take him a little while to round out his game. I think Cade Cunningham's kind of the same thing. Cade Cunningham's got a high floor, but how? You know, if he, the question really just becomes, can he be a true number one scorer? In the NBA. If he can be, then he's a franchise cornerstone, all NBA level player, but he's going to have to prove he can be a number one scorer and, and distributor. Um, Mobley's a couple years away. He, he has all the tools to be a very good modern NBA center in the kind of Chris Bosch mold, but he, he's just, it's going to take time. He's got to get stronger. He's going to have to develop. It's, it, big men are usually generally a few years away, so we'll see where he lands.
0: And Cunningham was the unquestioned number one, even though Detroit, right up until before the draft, said that they were open for business. I talked to Ed Stefanski, uh, advisor to the president of the Pistons, last weekend. He wouldn't t- t- tip his hand to me. We all knew it was going to be Cade Cunningham, and they got far and away the best player in the draft, did they not?
1: Yeah, I think so. I look. I think he is going to be if, Jalen Green could get there, um, but I think that Cade Cunningham is a. Much more sure thing to be elite, or at least you know, at the least of a, a multi-time all-star, and you, you take that when you can get it. I mean, look, six-eight ball-handling guard who's good in the clutch and can defend. Like, he has all the tools to to do everything well and be a true like build a champion around this guy kind of franchise cornerstone. You never know. <laughs> you draft a nineteen-year-old kid, you just never know, but. Uh, he has all the tools. This was a clear number one pick to me, and and, and most people. I know that, like, I always thought the rumors and all the buzz you heard about them being open for business was more about just trying to elicit a godfather trade of some kind, just to see if if they could get it. But I'd heard they had their eyes on Cunningham pretty intently from the start.
0: As well did I. All right, we're talking to our buddy Kurt Hillen from NBC Sports, their NBA editor and lead writer. Um, Who were the teams that you thought played the game well because there were so few moves certainly at the top you would believe that the teams with the top picks had the best draft nights but were there any teams that kind of jumped out to you that a guy maybe fell to them and or was a perfect fit that you would signify that team as a winner
1: yeah i think orlando was in that category for me i mean Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga falls to them, and and we'll again see how he pans out in the NBA. But he has the potential to be a lead shot creator, right? He he certainly plays this aggressive, intense style, plays hard on both ends. And now you you pair him with Jonathan Isaac and some of the guys they've got there, like suddenly that starts to look like an interesting team if he develops. So, look, he fell to them. A lot of people had him two, three, four earlier in the process. He fell all the way, all the way to five. I mean, it's not that far, but they, he falls there. They make a a couple other good picks. Like I like what they did in this draft. By the way, I kind of like what Houston did. They're kind of interesting now. You know, they, they, obviously Jalen Green was a no brainer, but they picked, they get Segura later. They like the guys they pick up to go with um, Christian Wood. And suddenly you look at that roster and you think they're not going to be good next year. Like they're going to be bad. But they're interesting, and you could see where maybe if these guys develop and maybe they make a couple trades, in a few years they get, they get very interesting if these guys come along.
0: I'm a big Shingun fan, and I think uh, he should have been a top-ten pick to get up number 16. I'm with you. Rockets yep. did quite well for themselves. All right, a team that uh, didn't draft high, as a matter of fact, didn't draft till number 27 was the Brooklyn Nets. We know they've got their big three. They ended up trading Landry Schammett on draft night, a guy who I thought they actually could have gotten more out of this past year. They added five new players via the draft, and they've got room on their roster because they're paying the big three enough that they don't have room to go out and pay much for anything else. Did they get guys that contribute for them next year?
1: I don't know that they really got – I mean, where they were drafting in particular. I think that this there was a certain amount of who can we get – it's inexpensive, right? Like who, some guys, they're paying so much to those big three. And and, and by the way, they'll bring back Brook Lopez. They're going to look to add – they're looking to add um, some more at the top of that, of that draft. They'd love to do a sign-and-trade with Dinwiddie and be able to bring something back. Um, what they were looking for was, yeah, it would be nice if somebody can pitch in, but man – five guys in the draft on rookie salaries helps
0: (laughs) even if you keep four
1: of them you're just you're just saving some money because you're going to be paying the guys at the top so much and this is we're going going to remain a top heavy roster with you Joe Harris is in there obviously making a lot of money too so like you've got a big four really a big three a great spot-up shooter in Harris you're just trying to get the pieces around them that can win and and maybe develop those guys down the line I don't want to take anything away from them but in the short term, that was about saving money and seeing if they can develop them.
0: Uh, agreed. All right. Let me get your uh, opinion on a player who I was pretty outspoken about. And damn, if I was wrong on draft night, I can be right <laughs> over the long, all of his career. Uh, I know Zaire Williams was one of the highest ranked high school players going to college last year. But he had a mediocre best year at Stanford. If I were his agent, I would have advised him to go back for another year. I thought his year was so mediocre. He comes out, and sure enough, he goes in the top 10. Grizzlies take him at number 10. I was not wowed by him. I had heard a lot about him, and when I watched him play for Stanford this year, he did next to nothing for me. Uh, Does he know? Does the league know? Most specifically, did the Memphis Grizzlies know something that I didn't see this year?
1: Uh, Look, that's a pick on potential because he got pushed around in college. And in look, if you're if you're getting pushed around in the college game, I'd like you to meet the men in the NBA. Like it's (laughs) it's not going to get easier on you physically. Um, The the you know I'm I'm with you. I was surprised he went as high as he did, but that is look, he's got all the athletic potential in the world. Like he he should be an elite wing on paper. He certainly looked like that in high school. He didn't show that in. If you're willing to kind of cross off what was both for, look, obviously for everybody, but for him in particular, a kind of weird year with what went on at Stanford and, and everything that happened for him. If you're willing to look past that and say he can live up to the potential he showed in high school, then that's a good pick. I'm just, a lot of teams didn't have him that high. They thought that that was much higher. Like you said, Singoon falls, some guys fall. And I was surprised Zaire went as high as he did, but you're you're just betting on potential. Um, you Same with Davion Mitchell, you're I was surprised he went as high as he did. But if he pans out, that looks like a good pick.
0: Right. And, uh, like, uh, I I didn't think the kid that the Spurs took deserved to be a lottery pick. No. The primo, the young kid. But then again, it's the Spurs, and you go, yeah, they kind of find these guys. They figure it out. They take Tony Parker. They take Manu Ginobili, who we don't know about. And they turn into championship-type players. Yeah, Kawhi Leonard too. Yeah, he went down in the draft much lower than he should have. Uh, so yeah, we cut San Antonio.
1: Yeah, is, I went so to cut the Spurs. Some, I cut the Spurs some slack, and I'll say this for him: he's the youngest kid in the draft, and he can shoot. If that gives you that gives you something to build on, we'll see if he. I, I was again. I'm with you. I was surprised he went where he did, oh. but. You can shoot the rock, man. There's a role for you somewhere.
0: Yeah, find uh, ways to get you open in the NBA. I hear you. Kurt only here with us on CBS Sports Radio. All right, there was one major deal made. And kudos to the Rockets and Lakers for pulling it off because a lot of these deals that are now going down in the NBA, we get word of them. Uh, weeks in advance at least days in advance they kept it under wraps pretty good I thought it was much more likely that the Lakers going to trade for Buddy Heald than they were going to trade for Russell Westbrook but they end up getting the deal done Uh, Westbrook is an anomaly of a player sometimes he's great sometimes he's all world and other times he seems to just be a stat padder who doesn't really help his team win how's that dynamic going to work AD LeBron and Russell Westbrook
1: I think it works pretty well in the regular season. I, I, I look, they needed they desperately needed secondary shot creation. By the way, they you mentioned Buddy Heal. That deal I don't want to say was done, but it was pretty close to done until Westbrook said he wanted to go to LA. That started to pick up pace. It's a guy LeBron wanted. Um and suddenly it gets done pretty like you said, pretty quickly. Um there'd been some talks, but it, it came together pretty quickly at the end. Look, during the regular season, they need a secondary shot creator, right? They need somebody. Rondo did it for them in the bubble in the playoffs. But aside that, they really haven't had good secondary shot creation. You know, LeBron's off the floor. They're just, they're just kind of scrambling. Horton Tucker sort of fills that role, but they just need help. Westbrook does that. Westbrook hustles, and I think look, he's going to put up numbers, obviously. And in a regular, in a long eighty-two game grind of a regular season, where you've got to get Anthony Davis some time off because he's, you know, you need to get him some some DNP rest in there. You need to get LeBron some DNP rest in there. Those guys have been a little bit injury—I don't want to say injury-prone, but like minor things, especially Davis was kind of his career. So he he can step in, man. Hey, LeBron's not playing tonight. Give the ball to Westbrook. He's going to put up numbers. You have got a chance. Like, I think he helps them over eighty-two. But man. I remember watching, I think we all did, like two years ago in the bubble, it was Lakers versus the Harden-Westbrook Harden Rockets, right, in, in the playoffs. What was the Lakers' defensive strategy? Double Harden. Get the ball out of his hands. Dare Westbrook to beat you, especially with the right. jumper. And he can't. He just isn't a shooter. He, does, he has defensive lapses. He doesn't space the floor. Everything that he – every weakness in his game and everything that people kind of pick on him for – gets really magnified in the postseason. And I think that that's where, especially for a Laker team, the thinking championship, it's the second round of the playoffs and beyond where he's, yeah, I'm just not sure how much he helps. I'm like, I think, you know, and they're talking about bringing in Carmelo Anthony interested in coming back. Like they're going to get some ring chasers. DeRozan certainly helps in that, but again, kind of play him off the floor in the playoffs. I can absolutely play Carmelo off the floor in the playoffs. Like I'm not as sold on them as a playoff team they're going to be good in the regular season, but we'll see. I mean, at the end of the day, Jody, if LeBron James and Anthony Davis are 100%. Lakers are contenders. Yeah, <laughs> They just yeah. are, right? Like, But I'm not sold that the pieces they're putting around them get them there against, you know, we'll see who's there at the end of the season, but a fully healthy Clipper team or a Jazz team, you know, if the Clippers get Kawhi back, if the Nuggets get um, Jamal Murray back, are they going to, I don't know if I take the Lakers over them, you know, we'll see how it plays out.
0: They're the batting favorites, but I'm with you. I'm not sure the fit is there. And speaking of fit, uh, the other big name that had been kicked around leading up to the draft, pretty good for uh, two weeks was Ben Simmons of the 76ers. I needed Mm -hmm. you to help me cut through what were actual potential conversations and what is just white noise. Uh, The first rumor that came out was that Toronto had interest and, Uh, Daryl Morey was only asking for uh, a King's ransom and then some on top of it, Kyle Lowry plus... Um, uh, Pascal Siakam's in there. Yeah, it's
1: like
0: Siakam was the only one who wasn't in there. But Ani Ananobi plus uh, sign and trade uh, Kyle Lowry plus the number four pick of the draft. I was shocked that uh, Pascal Siakam wasn't in it. I knew that that deal wasn't going to get done. Uh, There was uh, other rumors that Ben Simmons might be going elsewhere. And the asking price seems to be exorbitantly high. I guess I'm just down on Ben Simmons. The Sixers aren't as down on him. Maybe the NBA's not as down on him. Um, from your best whisperers, what were you hearing? How aggressive were the Sixers? Were What they were looking for in exchange for him um, just up and over the top?
1: Um, yeah, they're asking the moon, and they just weren't getting it. And part of it is they were holding out to see what would happen with Beal and what would happen with Lillard. Um, and Beal's not going anywhere now. Lillard... Um, I probably isn't at least till closer to the deadline. Um, I've heard that they're they that they're both asking for the moon. They, like you said, multiple, I know other people have used this phrase. It's a harden ask, right? Like they want an all-star player back, but they want multiple picks and pick swaps. They want a lot. Um, and I, uh, that just isn't out there. Like <laughs> Toronto is still interested. By the way, Pascal Siakam is absolutely available. Um, i I don't think, though, that that gets the Ben Simmons deal done. Um, I don't know where it's going to go. I think that this is going to drag out for a while. Um, and one of two things will happen. Somebody will miss out in free agency and the owner will freak out or the GM will freak out and then they'll they'll come in with a big offer because they're a little bit panicked. Or this drags out a while, and this drags out. I mean, the idea of – look, I've had a source tell me the idea of Ben Simmons starting next season with the Sixers is not out of the question. Like, like, they're going to be patient. They're going to get what they want from this deal, and they're willing to wait it out. And maybe that's what happens. Maybe, maybe it takes that long for this kind of deal to get done.
0: And I think that would be ugly if Ben Simmons is back oh, here next year. Yes. Uh, I don't know how <laughs> yeah, it, it, would, it, would,
1: it would be a mess, but I, they are not going to take pennies on the dollar for him.
0: Okay, and I trust, uh, kind of like (laughs) you trust trust Popovich and his uh, draft pick. I trust Morey as an executive, but I think he may be going overboard here. I think he may be uh, uh, doing. He he may have to come.
1: He may have to come back to earth on that asking price at some point. Um, It's just no. It's just a. You got to take what the market can give you, and at some point, if you're truly a contender around Embiid, you know you've got to figure out what the, what the best offer out there is. And I'm I'm not, I'm not sure what it is right now, but it wasn't anything close to what they were hoping for.
0: Understood. All right. Last thing. I got up at eight o'clock this morning to watch it live on Peacock team USA, and they easily handled the checks, Uh, before they got to uh, Tokyo, it wasn't good losing scrimmage games. They lose the opening game to France. They've done what they needed to get to the medal round and they've certainly played much better these last two games against Iran and Czechoslovakia. What would a win or what would a loss by Team USA have an effect on next year's upcoming NBA season?
1: I don't know if it's going to impact the NBA season too much, although you'd get a certain amount of K and KD lead a team questions or whatever, I think. Uh, and, and Lillard, you know, uh, Lillard frustration out there as well. But at the end of the day, you know, I, the real test is coming to them. I mean, look, beating up Czechoslovakia and, and look, <laughs> is not with all due respect to Tomas Sadoransky, who's a nice player. Like they're not in the same league grand. They won the Asian division, but that's, that's, you know, that's the JV league right now. Um, We'll see where the draw lands and who the USA gets in the next round. That's going to be the big test. And we'll see. I I don't know if they've solved their problems, Jody. I mean, do you? Like, watching those games, like, yeah, it's great to watch um, Jason Tatum go off. And maybe they're starting to be more aggressive and play like NBA players and realize the talent disparity. But what happens when they go up against a good team next round? And they're probably going to get that. So we'll see. I don't know how much it's going to impact the NBA season. Um, I think we're going to learn a lot about how much this team really grew and learned its lessons because it gets hey, it gets serious now, right? Like it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Every, it's it's win or go home and you're going to face good teams.
0: The thing about single elimination means elimination as in it's yeah. over. So yeah, if they, if they haven't gotten their acting gear yet, they better start like yeah, it. ASB it really, pick.
1: it really, it's going to be fascinating too to see what the draw ends up being because like, you could get Germany or Japan, slim chance, or you could get somebody really good. And, you know, they land an Australia-type team in that next round. And so, let's just say, man, if just because I've seen the odds, if I were in Vegas and going to bet on anybody, I might bet Australia to win, it, win the gold because there's pretty long odds in that, and that's a really nice team.
0: Yeah, uh, And Australia got a major boost when they didn't get Ben Simmons, so that gives them that much better <laughs> a chance to believe, come away with it. Can
1: you, can
0: you believe he didn't
1: get back on the horse? Like, just wouldn't wouldn't you, as your agent, if you were an agent, just tell him, hey, go play some basketball, go go get some buckets, and go beat some internet, go beat up Iran yourself, right? Like, go or whoever, like, and go get some confidence back. But yeah. I
0: I, I read his quotes, and he's uh, always on social media, and said he needed to take the time to specifically work on his game and his shortcomings and the like. If I believed that he was actually going to do that, I would be okay yeah, with it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But I don't have much but, faith that that's Ben Summer's. I have not.
1: I have not seen dramatic improvement in his shortcomings for how many seasons now. Like that's that's uh, been. Look, every, it's no secret that's what a lot of people around the league are talking about. This that this is not a guy who's made steps forward off his weaknesses, like you see great players do. And and maybe it's just a matter of who's coaching him in the offseason. I don't know. I'm, but you need to see it from him
0: would have liked to seen in the Olympics. Good stuff, Kurt. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you much. We'll be back in touch soon enough.
1: I look forward to it, Jody.
0: Take care. He does an outstanding job for NBCSports.com. Their editor-in-chief and lead NBA writer, Kurt Heelan, here with us on CBS Sports Radio. All right. Uh, I probably ticked off. but I know I ticked off Ben Simmons fans. Let's see if I ticked off 76er fans. NBA talk goes into the conversation here as well. Hit us up. The Mac Man here with you on CBS Sports Radio. How powerful is Cox
1: Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage.